Comparison has become so normal in our culture. It's what we do in every aspect of our lives as we're scrolling down our social media feed, as we're shopping in the grocery store, we start comparing our carts to everybody else. But when you think about the root of comparison, it's essentially saying that what God gave me is not enough for me and I need what he gave them. And that is rooted in envy, jealousy, and all of these heart issues that we don't even realize are tucked under the surface. You're listening to God Hears Her, a podcast for women where we explore the stunning truth that God hears you, he sees you, and he loves you because you are his. Find out how these realities free you today on God Hears Her. Welcome to God Hears Her. I'm Elisa Morgan. And I'm Erin Eddy. And you may have heard it said, you become what you think. So what happens when all of our thoughts are focused on comparing ourselves with others? What happens to our heart when all our mind can think about is how much smarter that girl is, or how much fuller her eyelashes are, or maybe how spiritual she seems to be, or how good she looks with that guy. Join us as we talk to Brie Rostick about the dangers of comparison and how God created each one of us uniquely. And here's a fun fact about Brie. She actually works for our Daily Bread Ministries, and you may recognize her name from her posts on the God Hears Her blog. That's right. And we're so grateful that she was able to sit down with us to talk through the topic of comparison. This is God Hears Her. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about this topic because I don't think it's discussed enough, especially among women. And that is comparison. But I think before we get into talking about comparison, I want to know just a little bit about Brie. So would you share just a little bit about like where you're from and like what was Brie like at 17 years old or 12 years old or 20 years old? (laughs) Absolutely. So 17-year-old Brie was interesting. So we might skip over her. No, um, I'm from Grand Rapids, (laughs) Michigan. I was born and raised here. I had a single mom, played volleyball, basketball, cheerleader, did dance all of my life. So I was very active and outgoing and just loving to have a lot of fun, to engage with people. That's something that I've had my entire life. Yeah, so that's a little bit about me. I had a rebellious streak at 17. Mm, what does what? that look like? Tell oh, us about that, that was, if you want to share. Sure, that was me dating the bad boy. Mm. And it was just a wild time when I look back on it. I'm just so thankful for God's grace over mm. my life and his forgiveness. And even though it was hard, it revealed a lot about who God is in my life. And so I appreciated those times that even when we're rebellious, Mm -hmm. he brings us right back into the fold. He really goes after the one. So that was awesome. You know, I I appreciate that vulnerability, and I sure don't want to push you in a place you don't want to go. But Brie, I think we all kind of, well, we all have moments like that. Let me just say that. So thank you for sharing that. But I think we also can wrongly conclude that God wasn't in them, you know, that he wasn't, that we ran away. And so we missed out on what he would have given. But I just heard you say you learned a lot about God in that season. And I just think that's a beautiful statement of redemption, you know, of how God scoops down even in when we're running and he is still present with us if we would but notice, right? Absolutely. For me, and I don't mind sharing at all, it was 
a season where I had all of my focus on this one boy and what he was doing and he was a little bit edgy and I left home to go live with him. That Mm. was just, Mm. he was my entire world. But when I was thinking about it and listening to you speak, I realized even just now that we start comparing to each other in our stories of how are we coming up. Mm. We start comparing each other's histories. We start comparing each other's lifestyles. We start comparing each other's salvation stories. And for a long time, that was something that I wanted to hide. I wanted to tuck away that part of my life because it wasn't clean. It wasn't beautiful. Mm. It wasn't what I had witnessed in other people's lives or how I'd seen God work in other people's lives. But when you have time to reflect and really see that he is in those hard times, that he's loving you even when you are running the opposite direction, it's a beautiful testimony of his grace. That's Mm. awesome. Was there a specific moment that, or was it accumulation of a bunch of moments that brought you to experiencing God as vibrant as you have explained? I think it was a culmination of moments. It was really just that reflection time of seeing that he personally knew me, that he personally was engaged in every aspect of my life. There are so many horror stories that I could tell you and some great ones too, but it just really looking at all of them and tracing God, you know, that saying that you Mm -hmm. can trace him when you can't see him. Mm -hmm. It was like that. Mm -hmm. Can you unpack that just a little bit more? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I see it like this. When we're in the moment, we don't necessarily see what God is doing. We can't understand or comprehend his ways all the time. But when you look back and reflect, you can actually trace what he was doing. You can kind of say, oh, that was God's hand there. And that big disappointment in my life, that was God's hand there. And that big celebration, Mm -hmm. he was in that too. So it's really Mm -hmm. just tracing his footsteps down our history. I love that verb you're choosing to describe mm-hmm. um, watching God work, to trace him. And, and I picture it. I picture you as a 17-year-old with like a magnifying glass, you know, going down your, your through your life looking for God. And, you know, you're right. We often can't see him until we're beyond a certain circumstance. But when we look back, some people mm-hmm. have used the metaphor of looking in the rearview mirror or whatever. But when mm-hmm. we look back and intentionally, look for God, we can trace his footsteps, trace his work in our lives. That's awesome, Brie. Thanks. That's so good. I do remember a time in my life where I thought that I was looking for him, trying to find him, and I felt like I couldn't. And then when I hit a rock bottom moment and brought him into my circumstance and then look back, I can see him in those moments. But why is it that in the heat of the moment, sometimes we don't see him? Why is it that when we reach a point and then we look back that we can trace him? Why is it sometimes we don't see him in the in the midst or we feel like we don't see him in the midst when he is there? Yeah, I think sometimes we become so consumed with the circumstance that we metaphorically turn our back to God. Like, you know, we know that... Consciously, we know that he's there because he know, we know that as believers that he never leaves us. But the circumstance becomes so large and we magnify that and we minimize his presence because all of our attention is on that. But if we learn to turn or switch our focus back to him, then we can see him in anything and everything because he wants us to acknowledge that his presence is there. Mm. How do we do that? You know, I think... It's really just about being intentional and the more time that we spend with our Heavenly Father and just 
even taking out that Heavenly Father word, I know that's who he is, but making it personal, the more time that we spend with our Father and acknowledging him, the more that we can sense his presence. I think about it like when my kids are in the house with me and I actually acknowledge their presence, they engage with me more. When I'm working, as we're all working from home right now, they kind of do their own thing and they play amongst each other. But when I give them my attention, then they engage with me more too. And I Mm -hmm. think about that in reverse with our Heavenly Father, when we give Him our attention, when we say, Father, I need you, Dad, I just want to see you in this situation, that the more we can engage with Him. Mm -hmm. You brought up the topic of comparison in terms of our stories, you know, in terms of you've got a super dramatic story and I have a wimpy little story, Mm -hmm. or your story is so beautiful and mine feels so shameful. But but what I really heard, Brie, is how you spotlight comparison. Why do you think uh, our comparison habit, if you will, is so concerning? I didn't think it was a big deal at first. Comparison has become so normal in our culture. It's what we do in every aspect of our lives as we're scrolling down our social media feed, as we're shopping in the grocery store, we start comparing our carts to everybody else. But (laughs) when you think about the root of comparison... It's essentially saying that what God gave me is not enough for me, and I need what he gave them. And that is rooted in envy, jealousy, and all of these heart issues that we don't even realize are tucked under the surface. And Mm -hmm. so that's when God really pricked my heart about comparison and started nudging me that we have to do something about this because women are suffering, specifically I believe women are suffering the most. What was it? Was there a specific time in your life that you recognized you were comparing or that your heart was kind of, you know, made up of some of these not so pretty or flattering things that we do (laughs) when we start to compare with our life or our shopping cart? I love that you use that reference because that's so true. You look and you're like, they don't have almond milk. They are doing whole milk. (laughs) (laughs) Or they have 12 boxes of sugary cereals. Bad. Yeah. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But then we go into like, It goes from that to like our just inherent worth that we have Mm -hmm. and our purpose. And so it's so interesting how it goes so extreme from one to the other. But was there a specific time in your life that you kind of recognized, ooh, like Mm. my heart is, is doing these things and God needs to, he pointed this out to me. Yeah, there is a very specific moment. It was actually when I was on a run with some people from church. And so we talked about my past lifestyle just briefly. I wasn't in church growing up. I had an experienced church. My mom went to church on and off. She taught me about Jesus. She loved Jesus, but that wasn't our lifestyle. And so when I got into church, I was immersed into this totally different world. And I noticed the people who how do we say the shined, the people that what it really was, was God's light shining through them. But you notice that, wow, she seems to have it all together. She's a great mom, or she's great on the praise team, or she's an amazing intercessor. Why do I not have those qualities? And so all of those things started to just open my eyes that there's something going on here. Mm. But when we went on this run with a group of ladies from my church, and I hate running. I do not like running at all. But we decided that we're going to go on a run. And I wanted to have some friends. I wanted these ladies to be my friends. So I go with them on this run. And immediately, they are like taken off down the trail. And I'm trying to keep up with them. And it wasn't working. And all of these thoughts of comparison flooded my mind. 
There was one girl. She just had a baby. How could she run already? There was another girl who was pushing her stroller. How was she running pushing this stroller? Even the thought that she was pushing another mom's stroller and they had that camaraderie and that relationship just brought up all of the things that I didn't even realize that I was missing in my Mm -hmm. life. Thoughts that I didn't understand where they were coming from, but they were deeply rooted from my entire childhood, from my entire life, where I was hanging on to this bag of comparison over my shoulder, but it was like it was invisible. I didn't know it was there. So on that run, I just began to break and I am talking about full on sobbing on a trail. And I'm so thankful that they were so far ahead of me. So nobody could see me just bawling my eyes out. But that's what was happening. And it was In that moment, I heard God start to speak to me, not audibly, but in my heart and just Mm. giving me reassurance about who I was and also explaining to me these feelings that I was wrestling with so I could have a better understanding of what was happening. Mm. So, man, we can kind of all relate to that, Mm -hmm. can't we? Yeah. It's it's like a slow killer to our self-esteem and, and our relationships comparison is. I love how you use the analogy of it was like a bag you were carrying over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like I envision just like this giant like Santa Claus bag <laughs> that you're carrying, you know, and it's just like a burden on your back that you're just bringing into the relationships. One thing that you said mm-hmm. in this book that you wrote, you said when comparison is unchecked, it becomes like a cancer to your soul. Mm-hmm. That gives me chills just even rereading that because that's so true. When comparison is unchecked, how do you check it? How do you acknowledge it? Because sometimes I think, at least for me, I've experienced where I'm like, I'm fine. Like I, you know, I'm okay. Like I don't do anything. But that's like the moment that I'm so susceptible Mm -hmm. when I think I'm not susceptible to things. So how do you check your soul so it doesn't become a cancer inside? Yeah, that is actually one of my favorite lines, too. I was just like, yes, thank you for those words, God, (laughs) because that was good. That was not me. But even to go along with that analogy of cancer or comparison being like cancer to the soul, we go in for our checkups. We know that it's important to make sure that we're eating right, that we're taking care of our bodies, but that we're also seeking treatment if we need it. So going in for your checkup is something that we have to learn to do with our soul. We have to be our own doctors and say, how am I right now? And then not just pushing that thought off to the side. So a lot of times what I did in my life, especially in this realm of comparison, is be nonchalant about it. It's not a problem. It's no big deal. I'm not doing anything harmful. Um, It's normal to compare yourself in these ways. It just means I need to step my game up. But when you do that self-check-in and allow yourself to feel these feelings, allow yourself to know hey, something's not okay here. And then ask yourself, why? Why do you feel this way? Why is this pricking your heart? For instance, one of the things that was a really big deal for me was finishing college late because I had a child early. And then all of my friends were finishing college early and they were getting these great jobs and I was struggling on the way just to get my homework turned in, just to get this degree. But then when I look back on it and say, Why did I feel that pressure to be done with something when I needed to take my time on my path? And so asking yourself why 
really breaks down those societal uh, standards that have been placed on us or placed around us and allow us to just Mm -hmm. think clearly. And then the second thing with checking in on your soul is replacing that thought. So a lot of times we start rehearsing the lies. For instance, in this college situation, I would start rehearsing that I'm a failure, that I am Mm -hmm. behind, that I'm not succeeding, that I won't get it done because that's what I'm feeding my soul. But when I do that check-in on myself and say, what are the things that God says about me? Even on a college journey, what does he say about me? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. This is an intentional process that I'm going through and being okay with it. So I think that we have to acknowledge what we're going through, but also we have to combat that lie with the truth. You're making me think of one area that has been challenging in my life regarding comparison. And I'm pretty sure everybody out there struggles with this. We should do a whole program on it or maybe a series, Erin. <laughs> but but it's body type, body mm-hmm. image. And and I can remember in my preteen, then my teen, then my young adult years, and now years, yeah, I can remember especially looking at my thighs. Okay, I'm just going there, you know? <laughs> and and kind of measuring them to my friends, you know, like maybe we'd be at the swimming pool or at the beach and everything's like all exposed. And I would always be like, oh no, I'm just bad. You know, it's just not okay. Mine are terrible. And I I read a book, it was a book of essays by kind of an an irreverent, wonderful woman who in, in her older years, 65 up, she wrote an essay about what she called the aunties. <laughs> and she talked about learning to love her thighs as you would beloved old aunties, appreciating their jiggle, you know, appreciating their texture, you know, and giggling about knowing everybody was looking at them and becoming endeared to them. Oh, And there's kind of this, as you're talking, Bria, about acknowledging and then understanding how God views our comparison and how disastrous it is when we stay in that negative of I'm not fill in the blank, you know, and how my my writing friend turned it around and embraced and endeared those parts of herself that she saw as lacking. Mm -hmm. It, It that's what it's coming to my mind right now is how dearly our father loves all parts of us. And maybe we can turn around and and look at ourselves the way he looks at us. I Love that. I I wrote down endeared to them, Mm. endeared to the thing you're comparing. So if it is your thighs, if it is your, if it is your body, if it is your circumstance, but I, you know, when I hear endeared to them, I also think about when you said, Brie, there's an acknowledgement and the way that you explained that. And Elisa, what you're saying about being endeared to, there's this freedom we can experience when we extend compassion to the acknowledgement just like the Lord extends compassion and grace to us. It's like to be mm-hmm. endeared to the thing is to show compassion to the thing because that's what the Lord does for us. And he so badly wants us to extend compassion to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what stops that shame spiral because what happens, at least in my brain, and Lisa knows this on our calls that because we just talk about life on like a you know day-by-day basis. <laughs> she's been a part of my shame spirals probably more than she's wanted to, but it will be like a thought (laughs) it'll be like a thought and then it's like a zoom it's like a vortex Mm -hmm. it just goes down and then you start to feel shamed ashamed for that thought that you had so then it makes us scared to acknowledge the thoughts that's good of comparison because we don't want to be in the shame spiral but to be endeared to show compassion 
gives us that freedom to walk towards them and acknowledge them, which is just such a beautiful gift that once we can get there, I just love how you you shared that that's, that's part of the journey of learning what's growing inside of us that might be infecting the soul, creating cancer in the soul. And when we come back, Bree shares the steps she took after taking that run with her new friends and how she continues to be on a journey of learning how to deal with the nastiness of comparison when it starts to grow inside. That's coming up on God Hears Her. If you're a fan of this podcast, sign up for our God Hears Her email newsletter and find even more inspiration and encouragement from women just like you. These weekly emails are filled with stories you can relate to and other fun goodies that will brighten up your walk with Jesus. Go to GodHearsHer.org and sign up today. That's GodHearsHer.org. Now back to the show. So what did you do after that run? I'm curious, like, what did you do after that run? Mm. And you recognize, I am talking this way to myself. What was What happened after that point? I would love to tell you that everything magically got <laughs> back into place and that I lived life comparison free. And that was not the case at all. I, st- <laughs> I still oh, struggled with this issue of comparison. And even being in the relationships with these women was a struggle because I had these mm. thoughts in my mind. You know, I'm not good enough. They're great. They won't like me because I don't fit here. My life isn't tidy here. And so I began to hide the things about me that I thought other people wouldn't understand that they would say that's different. So I started to hide those things about me and I wanted to become the perfect ideal Brie. I wanted to be the perfect ideal woman that fit with everybody whose life was perfect. And that began to crumble. You can only maintain this facade for so long. And so God wouldn't let me forget that moment on the track. It just kept coming back to me. He, You know how he kind of whispered something to you. Remember that. Do you remember what I said to you here? It was like that. And he kept reminding me of that. And I said, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write this in a book just to get these thoughts out. And as I started writing it, he was revealing so much about comparison to me and it was ministering to myself. So when I started writing the book, it was really just about healing myself. Mm. And that's the journey that we went along. So for you, you expressed it, you vented it, you processed it, you prayed it to God by writing. And a lot of us journal, and you may not need to write a book, but you know, a lot of us journal. Mm-hmm. Other people might see a therapist. Some people might choose to unzip invulnerability with a friend and take a risk. Do you think we ever can really escape it, Brie? You know, this this mm-hmm. comparison cycle. You know, I mean, I just saw a thing on Facebook this morning, hystericals. One of my vulnerable friends posted this picture, beautiful picture of her. It looked like her living room it was this gorgeous couch with a fireplace behind it with a fire in it and beautiful flowers and books all neat in the shelf. And she posted, you know, everybody sees this gorgeous picture behind me when I'm doing a Zoom call for work or whatever. She said, and finally, I I turned my laptop around and showed them the other side of the room. And it was just this bomb had gone off desk with (laughs) papers and chairs and stuff under construction. And, And to me, I thought, that's beautiful. Her name is Amy. Thank you for sharing that, Amy, because 
Does this comparison cycle ever go away unless we start to reveal the both and? You know, here's the product of what God's done with me, and here's the process I go through 24-7 for God to shape me. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. As long as we keep ourselves hidden, as long as we try to present these perfect pictures, we leave people comparing to something that's not even real. I think about eyelashes are a huge trend right now. And I barely have any. I don't either, Bree. Yeah, let's start a new trend. (laughs) Yes. We're showing up with our no eyelashes, okay? But yeah, these ladies, I was looking at ladies with eyelashes like, oh my gosh, why don't I have those eyelashes? I'm going to be real, y'all. I was just like, what is this? Why were they born this way? But when I found out they were fake, I was mad. I was like... (laughs) I've been looking at these for so long, questioning why God did not give me these eyelashes or hips, because I don't have those either. But I was (laughs) questioning him in this way, and it was something that wasn't even real. But to the point of your friend Amy exposing that, hey, on the other side of this, I need to be transparent and show you that it's not always what it looks like. I think that's how we escape comparison together. And Erin, you mentioned at the beginning that we never talk about this. As ladies, it's like our dirty little secret. But when we expose it to each other, when we expose our shame, when we expose our insecurities, we are glorifying God because as we know in our weakness, his strength is perfected. Mm. And so for us to really bear to everybody that we're in relationship with at the right time. You don't have to go broadcast it on social media like some may, but even your closest girlfriend and say, hey, I was struggling in this area yesterday or I had this thought last week. We really, what I like to say, shame the devil because he wants to keep us (laughs) thinking that we're stuck in this comparison cycle and it's not that at all. So I really think what you said is a solution. What encouragement would you give to somebody that might be reflecting right now and finds themselves in a community of women that they are surrounded by women that all they do is compare. So there's no breathing room for compassion. Hmm. I think about in my past, I've had friendships where we all just compared. It was like the normal seat, but like we quietly did it. So we're all quietly competing. And then we are also not experiencing true intimacy with each other and true intimacy with the Lord. So what encouragement would you give somebody that is looking around saying, well, all of my friends and I do that. What would we, what kind of advice would we give them? Well, I would say One, do not feel guilty because that is the first response that I think we go to is when somebody is speaking about something that we deal with, we go to guilt. Oh, no, I'm wrong because I compared. Oh, no, I'm. And then we start to wear this burden of we're responsible for this thing that was really cultivated outside of our control. This idea of comparison in our society. So I would say, one, girl, don't feel guilty. Number two. Take some time to spend with your father. And I really think that that is so crucial because once we understand our identity in Christ and our value, we can learn what we bring to the friendship. We can learn what I am bringing to the community is essential, just like what my girlfriend is bringing to the community is essential. And I don't have to be her and she doesn't have to be me. And I can authentically say, I really appreciate that you're organized because I'm not. I'm just telling you guys my life story. But I can really say that I appreciate the things that 
are missing in my life are found in you. And that's why we're in community together. Mm-hmm. Because once we understand that we're to complement each other and not compete with each other, those walls can fall. Comparison doesn't stand a chance because I know that I need you and you know that you need me. And that really heals our relationship. So I would just say, spend time with our father and really understand who you are and what you bring to your community. Bree, I have found myself comparing who I am right now to my past self. And there have been times where I have kind of beat myself up, whether it's like my body has changed, because like people may not see your body change, but you see your body change. And then you just know that like it's just going to continue down that path or my hair like I my hair used to be like super like full of dimension and I have extensions because I wanted I wanted to have more dimension in my hair and so so like but you know you start to just start to compare what you used to be what you used to have versus where you are now Mm -hmm. Elisa can you speak into that I mean what do we what do we do with that yeah yeah you you know I'm, I'm trying to learn from my friends who are modeling it, you know, who were showing Mm -hmm. this is what the rest of my life looks like. Or, yeah, I used to look like this, and now I look more jiggly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of my friends, Lisa, calls it, I try to embrace my fluffy parts. I love that. I've gotten older and fluffier. Gosh, you know, I I think, Brie, I want to hear what you have to say about this, but I'm hearing a lot back to compassion, you know, and Mm -hmm. appreciation for what we were. But also compassion, you know, that that person is not dead. She still lives inside me. She just looks different on the outside. What do you think, Brie? Absolutely. This is something that I love to talk about because I don't think people realize how harmful it is. Society absolutely tells us to compare ourselves to ourselves. There's these (laughs) mantras of we are our only competition or the only person that you're comparing yourself to is you and your yesterday. And that locks us into this space of I have to remain that person. When God is taking me on a path to evolve, God is growing me. He is pruning me. And so if we think about that idea of we're a branch and that he prunes us, If we keep trying to go backwards and keep trying to pick up the bad fruit and we keep trying to pick up the rotten twigs, we're not doing ourselves any justice and not saying that Mm -hmm. everything was rotten. Some stuff could be really good. But if you're going backwards, you're going against the path that God has for you. He didn't intend for us Mm -hmm. to go backwards. And so I think I would just encourage all ladies to ask God this question. Where are we going today? What do you have for me tomorrow? And that keeps our eyes focused on the future. I don't have to be my pre-baby weight. It's going to take me a long time to get there. So I'm not focusing on that. But God, what do I need to be healthy in the future? So that's kind of how I think of it. God, we're going on this journey together. Show me who you want me to be, who you've called me to be, and not who society tells me that I need to get back to. Uh, I love that. And, you know, you touched on something in the beginning of when you were talking about again, like extending compassion. Oh, you know, I think sometimes we also can compare our growth for where we are now and belittle who we were then mm. also. Hmm. And, you know, when you talked about like, you were talking about like your rebellious time, like that rebellious Brie made Brie this deep soul that you now have. And like, I would love for you to just kind of maybe speak to, to the woman me, uh, that can compare poor choices that I've made then and who I am 
now and how to get out of that cycle what would you mm. say or what would you say to mm. to you know yourself looking back on old Bree? that is a really good question mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. the one thing that i would say is that god's character doesn't change and so what i'm gonna how i'm gonna bring that into this is that his character didn't change when he created us. His character didn't change when he allowed circumstances to happen to us, and it didn't change where we are now. And so if God has always loved us and has always seen value in us all along the way, that we should be like our father and learn to see that value along the way too. Just as you said, Aaron, those choices made me who I am, and they made you who you are, and they made all of us who we are today. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I really think that that's it. Just learning to appreciate and in your words, extend compassion to ourselves in those moments and saying, girl, you were stuck on stupid back then. However, stuck on stupid Brie gave you a little bit of (laughs) grit when you pray. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just Mm -hmm. acknowledging that it's okay Mm -hmm. to have made a mistake. It's okay to have been at highs and have been at lows all through our lives, but that every single moment, no tear was wasted, no situation was forgotten, and really the cornerstone verse for my life, Romans 8:28, God works it all out for our good. What a strong message. Acknowledge our thoughts of comparison and show compassion towards yourself. This is God Hears Her. And before we close out today's episode, just a quick reminder that the show notes are available in the podcast description. The show notes not only contain the talking points for today's episode, but you will also find a link to connect with Elisa and me on social. So check out the show notes on our website, godhearsher.org. And while you're at GodHearsHer.org, we encourage you to read the God Hears Her blog that Brie is a part of. It features articles and stories from women just like you and me who are discovering just what it means to be seen and heard by God. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget, God hears you, He sees you, and He loves you because you are His. Today's episode was engineered by Ann Stevens and produced by Daniel Ryan Day and Mary Jo Clark. And today we also want to recognize Londa and Chrysanthia for their help in creating and promoting this episode of the God Hears Her podcast. Thanks, friends. God Hears Her is a production of our Daily Bread Ministries.